2: Celtic state of mind, it's a Friday, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Patrick McGill, Jim Moore, Lloyd Patrick, Jepson. i have got a full house, there's plenty of green getting worn today. I'm the odd one out. Um, Lloyd, you've enjoyed a wee holiday, uh, and as has Patrick, how are you guys doing now that you're back back to the grind? Um, you're doing great. Oh, and what, and what I about always, yourself,
1: Jim? Next week, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and what about yourself, Jim? Looking forward to meeting Roy Aiken tonight.
3: Roy Aiken pure fanboy, fan old man, fan oh, just brilliant. Look forward to that. In Aye. It'll be brilliant. It will be brilliant. One month on from the Gordon Stracking gig
2: and these guys are still in holiday mode uh, clearly. But we will be meeting Roy Aiken tonight. There are a handful of tickets and the link is underneath the video. Do you want to come along? Apparently, it's payday today. If you want to come along and see the bear, then come along to Barra's Art and Design. Really looking forward to that. Loads to discuss. We're going to kick off with a subject that I know is going to divide opinion. Um, and it's all about ticket allocations, gentlemen. I'm going to start with yourself, Jim. Um, we're, in, we're involved in a situation with our war. City rivals but there's other clubs we'll come to them in a second in relation to ticket allocations for Ibrox which has had a knock-on effect at Celtic Park what's your take on it Jim?
3: I don't attend away games uh, I did in the early 80s when Roy Aitken played Roy Aitken's on tonight apparently uh, but <laughs> I haven't I've, I mean, I've been at a handful of away games in the last few seasons so I think the guys you want to talk to the guys who go to the games uh, and the world is based around Celtic and getting along to see Celtic on a Saturday after or whenever we play these days, Saturday or Sunday. And uh, to deny them the chance to, to do that's unfortunate. Uh, however, I think if the Hearts and the Aberdeens are called, if they if they if they sell their stadia out, fair enough. But if they don't, I think that's not too clever. It doesn't make Scottish football particularly clever. And Scottish is pretty poor at the best of times and has Hibbs losing last night to uh, a team for Endora. So mm-hmm. I think we need to do all we can to try and uh, boost the Scottish game. If they can sell their total allocation, fair enough. If there's going to be huge amounts of empty seats, massive one goal.
2: Yeah, th- this is a concern. Patrick, I'm going to come to you. I know that you do attend a lot of away games and have done for a number of seasons. Um When, obviously, the, the Scottish game is considered as a spectacle, if we, we step away from a moment from the Celtic bubble, look at the Scottish game, as Jim says... You know, we really are up against it. There have been, over the years, regular results like last night. Celtic have had a couple, by the way. Jim will remember Nushatel's Amax a few years back. Um, but there's been a few since then uh, Bratislava under Gordon Strachan, Lincoln Red Imps under Brennan Rogers. There's been a few shockers in Europe. Um, and it's embarrassing, absolutely. By the way, today's show is not about doom and gloom, there's loads of positivity. Uh, but in terms of the Scottish game, Patrick, it's hard enough to sell this product. And do you think that the ticket allocations for away fans is going to affect it adversely? Or, like Jim, you know what? If clubs like Hearts are saying that they're selling out record season ticket sales, waiting lists and all this kind of stuff, who needs Celtic, who needs Rangers, all that? Where where are you sitting on this one?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got no problem if they're slashing um, away allocations, if they're selling tickets to their own fans. You know, Hearts certainly... (laughs) Uh, Aren't uh, guilty of locking us out for the sake of locking us out. They can large by and large sell their stadium. Um, you know they let, uh, you know it's it's actually quite a sensible approach they're taking. They, they let extra Hibs fans in because they know it's a derby. They know it builds the atmosphere. Mm. It's it's a good selling point for the game. But for all the other teams, you know they're going to give those tickets to Hearts fans and rightly so. Wave it, um, where it damages the Scottish game in my opinion. Um, is the likes of Aberdeen and Motherwell Now Aberdeen are getting better They've got the ultras behind the goal um, I think their uh, I think their attendances are sort of creeping up uh, The last couple of seasons But you know Teams you know like Motherwell Who have got half the stadium sitting empty But are turning their away, away fans yeah. Doing themselves at of revenue You know you, you look at the English Premier League And you don't see an empty seat Ever I mean they give the tickets away Not that they need to But they do give the tickets away To make the product look better and that's what that's what Scotland has to do. the The unfortunate part about the derby is, you know, Rangers can obviously sell out Ibrox. They, they don't like need away fans. It's not about how you sell the game um, in terms of filling a, filling a stadium. It's about how you sell the game in terms of a derby. You know, you've definitely got a bit more bite and a bit more atmosphere with a, a substantial um, away section. And it, it it's the same for Celtic Park. You know, the the situation we had a few years ago. Um, you know, the six seven thousand away at both grounds. Mm-hmm. you can feel the passion and the tension and it just makes for a better spectacle in my opinion and um it's it's been uh, almost ruined the last not that I mean the Derby hasn't been ruined but you know the the, uh, the allocations have been ruined over the last five years and it's it's not a situation I can see us ever getting back to if I'm being honest um because I mean obviously there was enough bad blood between the clubs uh, without you know ticket allocation squabbles, but um, the Rangers seem to be digging their heels in and obviously we're not going to budge either. So um, it looks like a complete lockout for certainly like this season and probably the next few seasons.
2: This is the thing, and I totally get that. It's, an, it's a good point as well, Lloyd, that Patrick makes in relation to the derby. You know, If Hearts are um, taking the approach that, you know what, we've done really well to build up this season ticket base and also a waiting list. I think they were claiming there was a waiting list Was it 8,000 they spoke about? Um, So, yeah, fair play. They've marketed their club. They have engaged with their fans. They've been using systems better because I know a lot of Scottish football clubs don't do that, whereby, you know, if they do need to sell something, they don't have a system in place. They don't have a database in place. Hearts have done it well. Um, But, you know, the caveat to that is on Derby Day, they will allow, you know, a, a vast amount of Hibs fans in for the benefit of the actual game itself. Now, Celtic and Rangers are not going to be doing that. Lloyd, is it to the detriment of the game? Is it to the detriment of Scottish football, in your view?
1: It is detriment to the game in that, because you think about it, as Patrick said, it takes away from the spectacle of the game now, and I think we're all feeling it. You go to Celtic Park, yeah, it's great having a stadium full of Celtic fans, but you go to Ibrox and there's guys looking forward to going there for the days but they can't go Due to the fact that this squabbles still going on years down the line, it I read yesterday as well that Rangers still want to take tickets for Celtic part no matter what, which I just don't see how that becomes viable if we aren't getting the allocation back up whatsoever. And I'm still under the view either it goes back to full allocation or it's nothing at all. You know that I that's... difficult.
3: I think that last point is difficult. Is is
1: there not a
3: certain amount of tickets that you are due to give the opposition? Yeah. Whereas what we are saying is that uh, we've been offered tickets for Ibrox, we don't want them. Whereas do we not have to offer them tickets under the, the rules? I'm well, not
2: sure. we, you offer them a minimum. There is a minimum mm-hmm. uh, within uh, the rules, Jim, like you say, but Celtic have refused Ibrox allocation because we are pushing to try and get it back up to what was before. I think there's been a a system in place now where it's going to be very difficult for Rangers to backtrack because they've sold the seats. And mm-hmm. and I think it was twofold, right? I know that when you go on social media and we see the, the highlights and all the, all the footage and the video content of us celebrating Ibrox during the, that period, I think Patrick was at most of the games where we were basically hammering them. It was how much are we going to score today? And we've rubbed our noses in it because this is football. Isn't that what it's all about? Um, and then, yeah, you've got that. Rangers looked at that and thought, right, we don't want to give them that stand at the broom Loan Um, there's an element of that but I also think there was a financial element as well Jim whereby they were looking at it and thinking well instead of saving 7,500 seats for the Derby
3: let's sell the vast majority of them for season tickets Of course of course it's a financial thing and if they can sell more season tickets that's what they do I think the point I was trying to make a second ago was the fact that uh, us not taking tickets for Iberts doesn't stop them having tickets for Celtic Park because we Mm may be duty-bound to give them tickets because if that's the rules, the fact that we choose not to take them, that's a different thing. And I've said before, I feel sorry for fans like Patrick, who obviously go to the game. I am just trying to think, like, when was the last time I was at a, an old firm game? Because it was an old firm game then. And it's possibly the three each game a Big Pierre scored and Andy Tom scored. Oh yeah, that, That's how long ago I've been Because uh, unless you're in a supporters club, you usually can of get a sniffer tickets for Ibrox. So from a, from a... <laughs> this side of the fence, who doesn't go to Ibrox that much, the atmosphere we had at the 3 0 game last season, which everyone talks about, was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Putting it at the point at night time, also helped. Mm-hmm. From a safety point of view, if you live in Glasgow like I do, it's a game that obviously has a lot of baggage attached to it when there's lots of fans milling about. So, having home fans only, I like that idea. I think it adds to the atmosphere at Celtic Park. It makes it more. I think if you're the home team, it gives you a huge advantage all of a sudden. But I do take the point that it detracts from the atmosphere of of a Glasgow derby, which is not always great, you know, in, in, in terms of all the kind of baggage that's the, that kind of goes with it. But uh, I like the idea of home fans only. I, I like that and, and if there's a possibility of showing a game in close circuit TV the other side of the city, maybe I'd make it worse. Sorry, I take that back. <laughs> Bad idea. But no, no, I would go for home fans only. But I do take the point that it's, it's it's a shame for guys like party who who've been going to games away from home every second weekend, and then that's the game you kind of go to. So,
1: Mm
2: I I think back to uh, when... The situation developed in that Celtic refused the 700 or so tickets they were offered. This was last season, and Celtic's, can, you know, position on it was due to safety concerns and fan experience, Patrick. That was the two main reasons. There were safety concerns um, for the fans being within that area, and you know, missiles being thrown, etc. I think Declan spoke about that. You know, it was just rabid for uh, the two hours he was in the stadium. So that was an issue. They wanted it uh, increased. And because it was refused, Celtic then said, we don't want it because we don't think our fans are safe. But as Jim says, Rangers don't have to refuse the 700. And, um, you know, that's exactly what it looks like uh, will happen next season. If Brennan Rodgers and his team were given the option to have an Ibrox full of Rangers fans or a section of Celtic fans at the stadium, do you think they would still want some kind of voice in the stands? Even if it was seven hundred,
0: you, you've got to imagine they would do. Um, you know, some fans are better than no fans at all. Um, but uh, you know, as you say, at the same time, you know, it's it, obviously it's not just Celtic. You know, uh, several fans, um, you know, in tense games and sort of high energy games, you know will be victims of missiles in that uh, in that corner of Ibrox. And obviously, Celtic fans, Declan has spoken about it. Um, obviously, it's a derby. It's more. Uh, high energy, intense. Um, you get a lot of guys hit by coins, hit by bottles, mm. uh, sort of different sorts of missiles, and it, it does become a safety issue. Um, so I think you know, obviously taking it a uh, Brandon Rogers and Celtic and Callum McGregor's um, taking out their hands, but um, I I imagine they would want uh, some some contingent there. Um, you know, I believe it's like seven eight hundred there uh, for. The two one game last April when Carter Vickers scored the winner. Uh, and I think Callum McGregor came out then and said that they, they wanted fans in the mm-hmm. ground. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: um you know, and that that's that's probably what comes into Rangers' minds if they are indeed going to accept seven hundred and fifty for Celtic Park in December. Um, yeah. you know, it's good it's good to have, even if it's a small number, a, a core support there that will try and make their voices heard and try and back the team.
2: Yeah. I wonder if um you know, Celtic were to refuse that, what the punishment would be as well, Lloyd. Um, it's going to be interesting as always going into these games. Paddy Lavery comes in on the comments. Uh, afternoon, all oh, lovely sunny day in the Doyne. Uh Great, I hope it is uh, the sun is shining wherever you are. And I'm really looking forward to meeting up with people like Jim or tonight as we speak to Roy. Akin a wee bit more of that later on. I also want to speak to Jim about one of his specialist subjects. If you were on Mastermind, Jim, would
3: it be about Bratback? Would it be about Bertie? Who would it be about? Well, since Bertie's in my phone list, since Harold's in my phone list, I it would have to be Harold <laughs> at, at the moment. Uh, uh, nah, uh, yeah. Harold because of that season, I think, yeah, because it's all wrapped up in that season. Yeah, so Harold. <laughs> and, And and the fact
2: that you're his first name obviously shows that you're one of his buddies. Did you know, though, Jim, that when he was banging in the goals for Rosenberg, honestly, I mean, this guy was so prolific, one of the most prolific strikers in European football at the time, when you look back on it. Did you know, though, Jim, that he was also moonlighting as the club accountant? At the same
3: time. Actually, I did know that. I What Aye. a bright, bright mean, boy he was.
2: We'll You've love done Harold. your research. We'll love. You've hard. done your research. We'll come back to that because he's been chatting about uh, a few aspects of um, his former club, Celtic. Of course, he's well remembered for that season, Jim, where he scored the goal that kind of clinched it against St Johnston. He had a tif- a difficult time at Celtic. Did Harold brought back? Indeed. But when you look at his his record leading up to us signing him, as I say, we had to fight off teams like Newcastle. Um, Anderlecht um, and uh, Benfica, uh, who were all interested in signing Harold back. He came to Scotland because he liked Glasgow. He came over to Glasgow, Mm -hmm. he liked Glasgow, he had a good friendship and relationship with David Hay, who started the ball rolling by the time Mm -hmm. he signed for Celtic. He had been sacked, but he was Mm -hmm. still phoning him um, for advice and guidance leading up to signing for Celtic. How do we view him now, Jim? In the aftermath, how to be for him? Because he he was a frustrating player during that
3: period, wasn't he? Hero, he's a hero. Harold's a hero. I mean, I think uh, I said at the time uh, I couldn't understand why we actually signed him because i thought we well, needed a big physical player alongside Henrik uh, because of the type of type of season that was always going to be, and uh, and Harold was all about pace. It was all about you know. Uh, and playing against defences that, 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 that you know that just want to defend all the time and, and don't push up, that made it difficult for Harold. But he did well in the Champions League because we're playing against teams who attacked his team mm-hmm. and therefore mm-hmm. left lots of space. So he's one of these guys, if you give him time to think, he would tend to make a mess of things more often than not. But if you didn't give him time to think, he scored a lot of goals for us as well. And uh, and as I've said in the past, that I've met him before and I don't think he gets how big the goal was. really don't think he gets how big the goal was because... If we would have missed that and we ended up not winning that game, then he'd uh, have known all about it for the past few years. But uh, yeah, you have to view Harold in the most positive light. Uh, it wasn't the greatest take we had. He probably missed more than he scored. But uh, when it mattered, he scored the goal and it mattered. And he had tiny feet, size five. Size five mm. feet.
2: Um, he's now a pilot. And if you go back to that season, 97, 98, Patrick, you're laughing because he is such an obscure character, isn't he? He's a part time accountant when he's um, scoring goals against Real Madrid in the Champions League in 1997, and he's now a pilot because he couldn't get over to an event recently because he was working, uh, flying a plane. The 1997-98 Champions League was won by Real Madrid. They beat Juventus in the final. A lot of people remember the final. Um, Real Madrid were in a group with Rosenberg, uh, Porto and Olympiacos, right? And uh, although Harold Brattback had agreed to sign for Celtic, um, it was on the condition that he would play the European campaign first for Rosenberg. Nobody thought they were going to get through. But going into the last round of games, they were playing Olympiacos and... um, they were winning two one. Now, if they had won the game two one, they would have been the top um, second placed finish, and they would have actually, you know, got into the quarterfinals of the Champions League with Bratback scoring goals, left, right, and centre. Um, as it happens, Olympiakos scored an equalizer two minutes from time. Otherwise, Celtic wouldn't have signed them when they did. Um, but you just cash your mind back: Real Madrid, Bratback scoring against the likes of Real Madrid, um, Porto Olympiacos. The guy was a goal-scoring machine and we signed him and it dried up a wee bit. It, it's got to be said, it did dry up a wee bit, but he'd scored the all-important goal. Why is he in the news just now? He's been talking about our new signing, Yang, and he's basically told on Patrick do you're talking on the pitch. Yang has done that thing where he's been asked about his ambitions. He's spoken about a post-Celtic career in a bigger league. I think Abadar did the same. Um, and Bratback says, you know, someday around about these players should be saying, you might be thinking it, just don't say it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you just sort of look at, you know, our previous managers, and all, as you say, our, our previous players, you know, you had a sort of, you had turned into a bit of a saga with Yaka Marcus, you know, cryptic Instagram messages, little timers and goodbyes yeah. before he'd actually left, and um, Ange, you know, coming away with stuff um, you know you're going to be surprised how long I'm here and then he's he's leaving you know I I suppose it's better to be honest to for these players to I mean if you're going to say something come out and say yeah I would like to play at a higher level and you know as a professional with no links to Celtic at all coming from the other side of the world naturally these players will want to try and get to the highest level of the game and that doesn't mean they need to say it (laughs) Especially just before Celtic sign them, and just after Celtic sign them, um, you know that it's just you're sort of putting yourself in the back foot to begin with, in my opinion. And um, you know these guys maybe haven't been media trained as well as someone like Callum McGregor or James Forrest, perhaps. But um, mm-hmm. you know, as I say, it's better to be honest. Instead of giving it the, I want to be a Celtic legend and stay for fifteen years, but at the same time. They just say nothing at all.
2: Well, I remember a player coming in called Mo Bangura and he gave the same line, Lloyd, and you know what happened to him. Um, there's no point in doing it. You're putting a wee bit of pressure on yourself. You're not really endearing yourself to guys like us because we want Celtic to be the be-all and end-all. Um, and if he's here and if he's signed a five-year deal, great. Just do the business. Do what we've signed you to do and the results will follow. You will be rewarded for that either at this club or, in, or indeed, you know, you, you you might move on, but don't treat Celtic, don't say Celtic's a stepping stone. Lloyd, were you surprised, or do you think it's lost in translation, badly advised,
1: that kind of thing for a new player? It could be a number of those. It could be lost in translation, could be badly advised. But I'm glad he's got a bit of ambition about himself. But like Harold Bravac says, do the top when the pitch. If you do the top when the pitch, these teams will come in eventually because they'll send the scouts up. They'll think that he's a decent player and then you'll get the move that you always want. If you don't do the talk on the pitch, then nothing, none of that will happen. <clears throat> so it's just about how you perform on that pitch. The words come, can come back to haunt
3: you, Jim, can't they? Yeah. I think we tend to over-analyse things. These are just young guys coming from a foreign country and all of a sudden they're exposed to mm. this where there's like a thousand mm. podcasts on every day discussing every nuance that's out there. Yeah, he's only not been advised about things possibly hasn't seen this coming uh, as, the, as the lad said don't say anything basically just be told don't say I think, it's, I think we tend to overanalyse things a wee bit and, and I think we tend to obviously this is called a Celtic state of mind so you look upon it from a Celtic state of mind but it's like mm. somebody signing for Hibs next week and saying I want to sign for Celtic next and he's like shut up don't say that that's what it's like when they say that out loud we know they don't want to play for Celtic we know that's a stepping stone. We know that's... what is the lads say, there, is a, if you've got any ambition at all, you want to play for Real Madrid or Barcelona or Manchester United, you want to win the Champions League, and we're not going to do that because that's where we are in the football food chain. So we know that's the case. So just come and do your best, like Jota did the last couple of seasons. Come, was marvelous gave us loads of great memories, and he moves on with her thanks. Who's next? And hopefully this is the next guy. Hopefully mm-hmm. that's the next guy. But I just think we tend to overanalyze things a wee bit because... Uh, the nature of the beast. We hate to talk about Celtic. Oh, he said that, did he? Oh, he said that. He, he oh. looked at him that way, Jim, on the sidelines. That means they don't Aye. get on. We're Aye. all
2: body <laughs> language experts you touched, as well. He touched his ear like that. That <laughs> meant, he oh, Didn't celebrate the goal enough. You know, There's all these things. But you'll remember, Jim, the Not The View cover. And it was a picture of Mike Galloway, Jack Anosky, Paul Elliott, and someone else who shall not be named. And the speech bubble was... In their respective languages, of course, when it came to Jackie, I've always wanted to play for Celtic. That was always the quote, wasn't it? Mm. Somebody came in from somewhere on the other side of the world. uh, I used to play Sabutio and it was always the green and white hoops. So, yeah, Mm. you're right, Patrick. Just tell the truth, right? You're here to do your best. You want to put us on the the platform, the European platform, if you can. And um, another thing, again, Celtic as a brand, I was reading this with interest this morning. Um, some papers have said Celtic have been valued at, which isn't the case. Celtic's brand has been valued at 98 million quid. They're in the top 50 global football brands, um, Patrick. This kind of thing interests me. I think it, you know, Celtic have done an incredible job when you consider that we really are in a, a bit of a goldfish bowl, which is Scottish football. You just need to look at that result last night that Jim brought up. Absolutely. Um, but Celtic, we're always punching above our weight when it comes to the, the strength of the brand. And I think it's great and it should be celebrated, but I think it could be a lot, lot bigger.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that's that's obviously what we've been trying to do in Japan the last two years, um, trying to grow the brand in all, part, in all parts of the world. Um, you know, I mean, it is... It is unique in a sense that you do see Barcelona, Real Madrid, and these days Manchester United, uh, Man City, Chelsea. You know, the, the six Premier League teams and then you know the sort of big European boys. But I I, I genuinely think you see equal numbers of Celtic talks and Celtic pubs and uh Celtic related merchandise and memorabilia right across the world. I mean I was in the uh, Mostar in Bosnia Three weeks ago, and I seen a guy in a two thousand and one Celtic away top cycling through Mostar and you think to yourself, "How is that even possible?" How I mean, the odds of that are so small. Um, because I mean, as Celtic fans, we do like to wear the hoops, the iconic, uh, the iconic strip wherever we go, show it off, be proud of who we are, and I think that helps the brand as well. I mean, it is. You know, we're in the top fifty for brands, but I think you know I, I'm sure people have said this throughout the years. It is one of the most iconic strips, badges, clubs in the world. And it's hard to actually say where it comes from and, and how we've managed to get to this place, but it's it's definitely a massive help to us commercially. Um and yeah, you know, hopefully the only way is up, you know, we can we can sort of question the footballing decisions that the board have made in the last 10, 15, 20 years. But um, you know, commercially, we really have punched above our weight and um, you know, hoping if we're going into these Asian markets and signing these Asian players and sort of growing our brand over in that part of the world and Mm. um, we can just sort of keep getting bigger and bigger and it can help us financially.
2: It it definitely can. I I love sometimes, Lloyd, when you're watching like a movie or something and um, there's a Celtic fan, obviously, in the production team because there's a Celtic reference or a jersey or something on the wall. We've seen it in The Simpsons. Um, I remember watching Sneaky Pete and they're in an Irish bar and there's a Celtic flag behind the bar and all this and you just know someone with links to Ireland, Scotland, Celtic are working in that team and they're putting in the wee Easter eggs for us all to enjoy but it is a very strong brand and a big part of that as Patrick alluded to was taking it elsewhere and Brendan Rodgers actually spoke about the Japanese trip as being a a brand exercise, it was a brand trip but it became more than that didn't it when Brendan came in because it, it it became more for him an assessment of the squad that he had at his disposal
1: yeah, that's the kind of way I, I look at the Japan trip. It was a bit of brand Celtic and also Brendan getting to look at his whole squad and analyse who he wants to keep, who he wants to go, who's good enough, who's not good enough. But in relation to the branding, I think obviously years ago when Nakamura and Mizuno was at Celtic, we did tap into that Asian market a little bit, but the minute they left, we just kind of shut it off. Whereas yeah. we could have kept doing that for a number of years utilise that market, but obviously with the likes of Kyogo, Maeda and such coming in, you've seen that the media stalls, and the merchandise stalls, sorry, that a lot of fans did buy <coughs> the merchandise over in Japan and they were always looking full from the pictures anyway, it looked that way, so it does look as if the branding over in the Asia market has started to take off a little bit. With regarding Brendan coming in as well, this squad's, I was actually looking at the whole the squad as a whole yesterday, and I. I would still think to myself, that squad's still good enough to do another treble. Yeah, it, it really is. If the window had to shut tomorrow, I'd still be quite happy with the squad that we've got. Well, this was a
2: concern that Jim uh, spoke mm. about the other week, uh, talking about being weaker. You know, that was uh, the headline that we did see. Um, and and I think when people look at it, you are looking at Jota, and, and he's a massive mm. loss, Jim. He's a he's a massive loss when mm. you see that. You know, the the assists and the goals that he scored. Yeah, we have brought in two right wingers. Yes, we might see. Um, a resurgent Abada. I've said that he's maybe going to come out and jot a shadow a wee bit um, but are you of the same view as Lloyd are you still thinking we still need more
3: bodies in the building because it is a bloated squad as well 30 like <clears> odd players all in Before answering the question I want to get back and make a confession there's a book called The Celtic Jersey which I've not read the whole thing I've just <laughs> jumped in out bits and pieces but the reason that Uh, that Celtic do so well is the jersey. It's the iconic green and white hoops. So my question to Paul who knows the answer is who actually came up with the idea? Because that's that's the genius that's led to where we are just now, I think. Right. this is one of the big things when I went and what page is it on so I can go and it
2: is in there. But this is the one big thing because you think to yourself that someone must have had an incredible you know, brand awareness or there must have been great marketing uh, and in the commercial field and all that. But what you've got to remember is when Celtic introduced the hoops, it wasn't really about brand, was it? Because we never sold jerseys. It wasn't about probably even outside, of uh, you know, Scot- Scotland, you know, to a certain point. Jim and I have talked about how, you know, winning the European Cup in 1967 took us to a completely new audience. Up to that point, we were you know domestic team that's what we were and well, the Hibs. green and white hoops yeah exactly and, and obviously Hibs um it was going to lead me on to that Hibs had used the hoops but when a football club were going to be um picking a new strip for example it wasn't as if anybody had any kit manufacturers deals there was no uh, deal coming in from umbro or or any of these companies at that time that started much much later so it was basically looking at a jersey gym Uh, looking at your heritage as an Irish um, club based in Scotland and uh, going for the colour scheme that had always been associated with that club. And there was something available that was in the hoops. Now, the manufacturers of the jerseys started off, believe it or not, with Willie Maley's company. Willie Maley had a tailoring company and he supplied the jerseys. And that changed to various different manufacturers until Umbro came on the scene. And even when Umbro... Um, started manufacturing Celtic jerseys, but we were buying them out of a catalogue. We had no deal. There was no replica kits. And I had that catalogue, which is printed in the book, the very first jersey uh, in the 1930s that we wore right up until the 1960s, was that, you know, the, the, the rugby one that we got from Umbro. That was the very first jersey we got from Umbro. It was just, you know, it was selected out of a catalogue, and it was a rugby jersey. But in terms of who made that decision, Jim, no one will ever know. Right. who actually made that decision to go for the green and white hoops. It was so long ago, of course. However, it wouldn't have been a brand or a commercial decision. It was a wee bit of luck.
1: And no, but just in
3: terms of what we said to the guys before, if you talk about Real and they were white. Oh, hundreds of teams were white. Mm-hmm. Man United, they were red. Hundreds of teams were red. Celtic, Hoops, mm, Sporting, Lisbon. Is that it? I know. No. So, Yoval. Yoval. And that's where it comes from. It's the fact that, you know, it's so unusual to see that. And that's that plays a huge part in that. And what was the question you asked? So no, that's that unique. Team. That,
2: that, that is unique, Jim. And by the way, I've got to say, not to push my book or anything like that, although copies will be available tonight at the Roy Aiken gig gig. Um, the publisher have no skin in the game when it comes to Celtic. They're, they're an English-based publishing house mm-hmm. who wanted to do a book on Celtic because of the iconic nature of the Hoops. So you're right, you're spot on. But yeah, well, we're talking yeah. about the strength of the squad, Jimmy. Mean, do you still have, I know that we've, we've added some players this week,
3: do you still have concerns at the strength? Eh, we've got a big squad and I think any players that are coming in should go straight into the team. And I don't know enough about the guys that we've signed to make a judgment on whether they're good enough to come right into the team. And I think, as Ange said before, don't get too attached to players. So, I mean, if you look I at mean, a few midfield players, Breda, eh, Home, is that how you say that? Home, yeah, home, home.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Coin. He's Con, is that how I say that. Yeah. water. he's not permanent. So, are those three guys going to displace Calmac, Hattati, and O'Reilly? I don't know. <laughs> Whereas, if we'd sign somebody who knows going straight into the team, you can say he's going to make the team stronger. So, I think certainly for Europe, we need to be stronger. I think at the back, it's good we're saying the guy, uh, eh, no Is that how you say that? Again, he's a young guy, we we'll have to see how he, he gets on. Uh, but we need to send players who are better than Carter Vickers and better than Stafford to up the ante, better than Joe Hart up the ante. Have we done that? I don't know. Uh, I think Europe is still be a bit concerned. Domestically, we know it's a two horse race. We know that we're gonna you know both teams are gonna get ninety-odd points again. They'll come down to four derbies. They've got a bit of physicality about themselves. They're gonna be playing we know Celtic fans, as we, we touched on earlier. And that's a pivotal game. I know I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago, but there's only five weeks to go to that game. Mm. If we get through that game unscathed, we'll be fine domestically this season. If we don't and we're playing catch-up, we'll be pretty interested because both teams will get more than 90 points again. In Europe, I think we're, we're still one or two signs away from from even happy. Yeah, I know that, that's a, not trying type of negative. To be happy to make a kind of fist of it. That season, and I think we maybe lack that bit of physicality, we maybe lack experience I said this last week, and somebody picked up what I did mean to say that. I thought last year we lacked experience it's a pretty young team a lot of young guys in the team, and then last season we've lost Moy, that's about the only guy we've lost, who was a bit of experience, Moy and Joe Hart that was it, I mean, I think there's time to sign a player who's maybe late 20s, early 30s, to give you that bit of experience, that bit of know-how in big games, we don't maybe have that. So I wouldn't be too unhappy if we signed somebody of of, of kind of that nature. I mean, we've signed, whether it is four or five young guys, 21, 22, 23, five-year contract. Sounds brilliant. And if it comes off, fantastic. But I think we could do a bit more experience, a bit more physicality in
2: there. Well, the thing with um, the discussion I had yesterday with Peter, uh, so we'll have a wee chat about that, Patrick, was that I had the sense that the first four players that came in were deals that were already in the works. You know, just because of the nature of them, two South Korean sign we'd already been in, tapping into that market with all, It looked as though we would have unveiled them in South Korea. and In fact, we would have done. It would have certainly been in the week of us being there in that leg of the tour. Um, Marco Tillio spoke himself about the fact Celtic had been interested for a while, a couple of years, he said. Um, City Group team and all that. And I don't have an issue with any of these things, but these are deals that were ongoing and they've been concluded whilst Brendan's in the building. He's obviously had the final say on it. He's cast his eye on the player. And what I was trying to say is that, you know, I'm not writing off any of them. It's simply the fact that they have come in uh, without that lack of experience at gym refirsty. They're within an age group where you would say, right, these are going to bolster the squad initially. But brilliant if they come in and they make a great impression a la Hitati or O'Reilly. You know, they make a great impression and they end up as like pivotal members of the team. But they don't look like starters. And that was the, the name I gave the player that would come in and you think, right, we, we've bought him to take a first team jersey. nurovsky right now um, is one of those players due to the injury, of course, of Carter Vickers, but he's the only one of the five. So we were speaking about this yesterday and it was no disrespect to the players mentioned, but uh, I think I get what Jim's saying in that we need a, a couple more players in the mode of, and I don't mean centre-halves I just mean that type of player that's going to be pushing for a jersey I think we need one at left-back left wing and in goals as well and it's no disrespect to Greg Taylor Joe Hart or Maeda because I think all three of those players have done a a marvellous job for Celtic but if we're going to strengthen that's the three main areas that I think we still need to do uh, a bit of work on and I'm pretty sure there's loads of work happening in the background as well Patrick what's your take on what we've recruited so far and where else we could strengthen?
0: Yeah, I largely agree with yourself um, You know, of the five players we've signed uh, I'm absolutely gutted to say that all five are younger than me um, Which is a... a, 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 a Join a pub, man Join a pub, do I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I remember only a few years ago None of the players that I'd ever played for Celtic were younger than me Now there's half a dozen or half the squad It's But anyway, regardless um, No, I agree with yourself You know, we, we have these players I mean, I think home came in like three days after Brendan was announced you know, even before he done his press conference, um again it's what was it, a couple of hundred thousand or one or two million. So you say to yourself, right, probably not going to compete for places. I mean he might, we, we don't know, but um he's not someone you think, well, he's gonna challenge at the time it was Jota. Um Tilio again scouted for a few years, uh, twenty one. You know, it looks a good player, played at a decent level. Um, you know, Melbourne City have a good team. Um so you know, he he might feature um two uh, South Korean guys again because I think it's it's largely due to with fair fees and age when you combine those two things together um, you look at naroke and you think well 4.3 million we've not signed him for two years down the road uh, yeah. we've signed him for now mm-hmm. um, so obviously with the injury to Carter Vickers he, he stands a better chance of playing anyway but with that with that fee but then you do look at the centre halves and you think well spent the same amount of money in Starfield and we spent six and a half on Carter Vickers as well so and at centre half we've got um forty million pounds worth in in three players alone. Um so it would be good to have more of these signs where you think like he's came in to make an impact in the first eleven and you can sort of you can be excited about it. You can say, Well, if this guy doesn't succeed, it, it's it's a failure. So really he should succeed, um if that makes any sense. But uh, no, I, I agree I, I agree with your um, your three positions as well. You know, Taylor He's had a great season, but I think I spoke about this two or three weeks ago. He's in that category of, he's very much an Ange player. Ralston, very much an Ange player. Maeda, I thought he was going to be an Ange player, but you know, he scores a half trick in his first, you know, albeit a friendly game, friendly game under Brendan Rodgers. Um, so I sort of worry about how he's going to perform under a different manager. He's not the quickest left back in the world. Um, while we play with inverted fullbacks. So it's it's an area obviously TMI has been linked for a few weeks now. Mm. It's an area that you maybe need to strengthen. I think left wing and um goalkeeper I think are the two standout ones though. I mean um you know we've we've not we've maybe not gotten weaker but you know Joe Hart is a year older. Um, we've been talking about getting an upgrade for twelve months now. So if we don't sign him sign an upgrade this window. You know you're talking two years without getting an upgrade. Um, left wing, obviously, Jota's is left. You know, arguably one of our best players got a lot of money from. Him, so um, I think you need to, you need to find someone equally as capable um, to to fill that role. And you know, you look at the squad. We've lost a guy like Jota and if you look at the European uh, run last year, I think we'd all say that we're disappointed not to have European football after Christmas. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to take another step forward in Europe by. Not improving the score, so I think you need to you need to constantly look at signing you know another two, three first team players. In my opinion,
2: well, this is the thing with Jota because as well as the fact that he had that incredible impact, he did it on you know two flanks. He could swap flanks almost as effectively. We will all have an opinion on which side was his strongest, but in losing him there, I've I've been talking up Lloyd uh, Abada. You know, it's time for a bad to shine now. And and uh, he, for me, is is definitely the first choice. I know we've signed another couple of right-wingers. But I just feel that we're weaker on the left-hand side now. Maeda is definitely your first choice at the moment. But beyond him, I think you're struggling to get someone of that kind of same stature. If we were going into the game against Rangers five weeks down the line or a, a game in the Champions League and Maeda um, pulls up and, and he's not playing, would you be comfortable that we're going to get that level of intensity from left-hand side that level of cover for Greg Taylor behind him, that's the area for me that I still think is a wee bit suspect and we need to strengthen um, and a lot of people are coming in with the comments, what's
1: your take on it Lloyd? Yeah we kind of mentioned that last week about the left-hand side, how we kind of think it's been a little bit weaker and obviously the right-hand side's kind of bolstered a bit with what we've seen for Abada in pre-season so far, plus obviously you've got Johnson still to come back as well so the left-hand side I would be looking at a left winger and a backup left-back, maybe. But see, another point that Peter mm. made yesterday, right, is that
2: we're, we're all about, you know, building something and, and bringing a player in, and if they're young with the potential, we know that you know there is a platform here to move them on and, and make a lot of money off them. But what we did really effectively is we brought in uh, four, actually, four loan signings, in Awata, Maeda, Katta, Vickers and Jota, who became permanent players for us, and very important players, I think, a are not suits so much so far, but you know maybe this season they will come into it a wee bit more. Um, would you be happy, Lloyd? Because I know that we kind of we don't like the loan, you know, the loan system, but the way we've been using it with the option to buy, it has been working a lot better for us in recent times.
1: Yeah, I think it would need to have either an obligation or an option to buy on the end of it if it was going to be a loan. The thing with that as well, Paul, you kind of look at Premier League squads; they'll wait till they announce the twenty-five man squad, and you might get a a couple of gems on the periphery of their squads that might not even enter into that. So you might be looking at that market as well. Just, you don't really know where these kind of options are going to come from because you don't want to keep also looking at the Asian market because obviously this year we've got the Asia Cup coming in January and February time, which mm-hmm. I think we will lose a lot of players for as well. Well, this is the thing
2: there's so many working parts to this there's so many considerations mm-hmm. not uh, even mentioned. mentioning I think we are the homegrown home we we- rule
3: yeah. I, think, I, think, I think we are weaker I mean if, if, if you depict your best team from last season Jota's in your best team and mm-hmm. you can make an argument for Moy being in, in your best team Moy or Matt Riley don't know right. so you take them out and who have you brought in in place of them to make them that's not as strong as last season and the main rivals have brought a new goalkeeper who looks half decent if they, and if they sign some strikers they must be stronger. You know, and that's that's a concern I have that, as I said earlier, new signings right in the team make it stronger because Europe's a level up from that as well. So, we do really need, I think, another two or three oven ready straight into the team to bring us up a level or two just, just in case.
2: You know? Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. What I would throw into the mix as well, though, is... um as well as a player like Patrick mentioned, like Joe Hart, who's that year older. And that might mean that he's on the downward trajectory. I think we do have players who are on that upward uh, trajectory, such as Hatati, hopefully Abada, from what we've seen in the pre-season. And I think also Brennan Rodgers is going to bring something to the, the table that wasn't there before as well. I mean, we might see uh, the development in someone like Matt O'Reilly, where you know his trajectory gets steeper under uh, Brendan Rogers, and you know, I'm really looking forward to that. But yes, I'm a bit like Jim in that I want to see two or three more players within that um, kind of profile of Nuroski. Where you think, right, we've bought him for the first team. This guy is not a project to use a a much used term. Celtic follower. You're commenting on YouTube. If you want to make a comment, disagree, agree, um, then get into the YouTube channel and subscribe. It's all free, and we're on every single weekday, every game. And we even do a wee cheeky show on a Monday night as well. And there's more to follow. Celtic follower club's 100% right to refuse a ticket allocation. And until all the powers to be within Ibrox can guarantee safety, they have no moral ground um, to expect an allocation from Celtic era either yeah that is the issue it was the issue of safety and this is the thing as well jungle line brings in um scottish football really you know the broadcasting deal if you were to remove celtic and rangers you look at the broadcasting deal what would that look like right i think eventually sky will see it's damaging its product and will insist on bigger away supporters
3: i'd Jim. be very concerned about that mm. sky tell us what to do do one yes <laughs> we're not we're, we're not here to please sky That's the issue I have because guys like Patrick are guys that are paying their money and every single week home and away, home and away and Sky are telling us what to do. Don't think so. I think we have to solve this by ourselves and I think safety is the biggest thing and just to take the point that the first guy made there didn't catch his name is is, is the fact that it may not be up to us to refuse them tickets. If the rule is you have to give something, Mm. we have to give something. It's the fact that we've said no thanks and my concern would be that you know, we've got we've get fans who are no angels <laughs> either. You know, and all it will take is they take their allocation and they get pelted by missiles. And who are the bad guys? We're the bad guys.
2: You know, so hey ho. Listen to though, Jim, we had a good discussion about this in relation to the sky experience and the fact that they seem to be gearing everything towards a TV audience. You spoke about it even with the VAR, for example. Everything was geared towards the TV audience. You you could be at a game, and you can't even see the scoreboard if you if you know what I You Can't I'm see so, the scoreboard, absolutely. Yeah,
3: yeah, because yeah. 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 yeah.
2: Sorry, Paul, when you go. <laughs> so I think what Jungle Line's saying is that you know a lot of the, the decisions that are made is with the broadcaster in mind, and you know do they get involved? Do they come in and say sort this out? Well, Paul McLean reckons that it's ruining a great spectacle. Um, obviously, the politics of Scottish football, I'm pretty sure that we're, we've got two clubs who aren't even considering that. Um, Frank Brennan, indeed, just ruining a great spectacle. In fact, the only great spectacle in the woeful and mediocre world of Scottish football. Should I read on, Frank? Because we get pelters if we bring up too much negativity and Sky will get fed up with it all pretty soon and put their money elsewhere. Well, I don't know. I don't know what their um, influence is really on such uh, manners. I, I, matters I think that the authorities need to get involved and they should have got involved before now Alan Robertson reckons we need a goalkeeper left back, left winger and a striker I had mentioned the striker what has Maeda done to change your mind on that Patrick because I did think that running with two was a bit short, we needed a third and then Maeda shows us that he can slot in there as well
0: Yeah, um, it's it's a difficult balance an active striker I suppose when you're um, when you're only playing with one striker um, you know it's it's easy enough to say well two bodies really should cover one position um, you know that's uh, two goalkeepers, four centre-halves two left-backs but you can find yourself in a situation and we did you know unfortunately in the Champions League last season in the group stages we found ourselves in a position where we were playing Maeda up front and Yakimakis and Kyogo were injured um, and you know it's it's one of these as I say difficult Balancing act because you know I think you know ninety five percent of the games either O or Kyle will be fit and ready to play but in those five percent where maybe they're both injured you know a played striker I uh, put St Johnson eighteen months ago Maeda can obviously play there um, and you have reservations because really you don't want Maeda striker up against Real Madrid but obviously you can't pick and choose when players get injured um, so I think I think you'd have to get some sort of uh, young player. You know, I mean that, that someone's going to have to come in at third choice, um, and it's it's hard to sell that to an individual. So mm. you maybe have to promote from within, um, or just sort of just sort of ride with it and just go with the two. You know, it's 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 really quite difficult to to sign a player knowing that they're barely going to get any game time, and if they can't play another position. So I, I'm more inclined. To sign other players first, as you say, a left-wing and a goalkeeper, personally, and then even a left-back after that, maybe I'm a fielder. Um, I'm, I'm quite content with two strikers for one position, personally, because um, I don't think it will have um, too much of an effect. I, can, I think it would be incredibly unlucky for both Owen Keogh to be injured at the same time for any length of time. Um, so, not a priority for me, but um, I can understand you know wanting to have cover um, throughout the entire season.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean imagine the luxury Jim Orr, of having a young guy coming through banging goals for one of your youth teams or a reserve team and you could just uh, promote them to the first team remember the last time we did that with a
3: striker you'll tell me it's Jerry Craney won't you <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Jerry scored some great goals for Celtic very kind of uh, undervalued So what they looking for uh, was a far better player than people make out could have done yeah. a lot more but just was it at the wrong time, basically any other time I think would have done really really well for Celtic. Mm. I'm not a big fan of uh, he can do a job. <laughs> Maeda he could do a job at centre forward, Abada he could do a job at centre forward. You want centre forwards who you can guarantee when they're banging the goals. And I think I get the point that you're gonna come to play third fiddle to Kyogo and O, oh, but um, it's all that money at the end of the day. I mean if you can get hold of a, a young guy playing for a club not getting much money, I mean it, 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 hearts, hubs. You know, Dundee United, you know, young guy, whatever come in. Maybe that's not gonna it's it it's it's basically backup to have somebody mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyogo and O are so different in terms of types of strikers. And in an ideal world you'd like another good quality striker of their kind of level. But I take the point, it's kinda of hard to get to get uh, a third uh, somebody come to be, to be to be to be a third striker. But I just think if we do lose one of those players, are you super up? Obviously, we've got number one choice in Kyogo. If Kyogo's out, do you have confidence at this point in time? And oh, will o carry the team. It's a different type of player. Mm. Physicality compared to Kyogo's fox in the box nipping about sort of thing. Uh, I think it's the one place in the pitch that you could try and push the ball for that for that third quality player to try and cover that position. But as I said before, I think defenses win your leagues. That's my concern this season. Let's get that defense sorted out. Don't lose many goals. So I think offensively, I think we're we'll enough good. Offensive players, midfield and forward, to kind of take care of things. Maybe get a defence. You mentioned the goalkeeper. You mentioned the left back. Carter Vickers is injured.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, be a bit of concern there. Johnston and Ralston are injured Johnston. as well. We're playing a Wata at right back at the moment. Uh, what's your taking at Lloyd? Because, you know, it would be, you know, the ultimate wish list, I guess, you know, to buy in everybody we've mentioned, plus a centre forward. But when you start stripping it back, we are a bit light up top.
1: Yeah, but it's just obviously... Like Patrick said, if Keogo and all injured or, or suspended or anything, that's kinda of your concern is. But if Made can play the position, then he has an option. Option there. So do you really want to chuck all load of money at a third option? When really you could strengthen that in the goalkeeper or else that like Jim said in the defence. I would rather sign those type of players rather than a third striker when there's already someone at the club that can play that position. I know. I just cannot wait until we get another Jerry Craney coming through the ranks.
2: <laughs> when will that be? Um, this is an interesting one from Ray Ray. Good evening from Vietnam, lads. And it does look as though he's on a radio station, so we could have done that. Good morning, Vietnam, but I'm not going to no. try it, Jim. Um, and Brown Warrior, our managers aren't getting a settled sides. We are always in a state of rebuilding as we cash in on our key assets. As soon as a sizable offer drops, we replace them. With potential. We do. We do. And I think we've done it pretty well as well over the years. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a wee bit like Jim, I want two or three guys to come in with a calibre that you think, all right, they're first team ready, they're oven ready. As he says, there's a couple of games coming up. There's one tomorrow. We'll be covering it. Celtic are playing Wolves, talking about brand. We're taking that club, we're taking the brand, Patrick, over to Ireland, something that we don't do enough. We absolutely don't do enough because, you know, we've got loads of people tuning in from uh, various parts of Ireland and they tell us that, you know, there are. Some hotbed areas where you still see the green and white hoops. Celtic are still the team. But there's other areas where you see a lot more EPL jerseys and even Barcelona Real Madrid jerseys. And I get it all. It's Razzmatazz, it's box office. Um, And it's a generational thing. But the only way you can build that is by, you know, on on an annual basis, I believe, going over to Ireland, meeting the fans, engaging with the fans, playing a game. Um, And we're going to be doing that tomorrow against decent opposition. It'll be, I think, the biggest test that we've faced so far Um, looking forward to it tuning in in tomorrow
0: absolutely yeah I think it will be a good test you know um, you know English Premier League team good manager good squad Um, I'm sure it's a team that Brendan will know relatively well Um, probably faced him you know eight, nine times while he was down there so yeah it'll be a good test obviously great to go back to Ireland Um, I think I'm right in saying we haven't played at the Aviva in is it 10, 11 years? We should be played, I think it was Inter Milan or something. Yeah. yeah friendly, I would to say. Um, obviously, we'll be back there in May for the Europa League final. Um, so it's good to sort of get warmed up and get the seats, getting all the seats, uh, get your seats picked out. But um, no, it should be a good test, you know. And obviously, it's, I was going to say it was our last friendly before the season starts, but, you know, we've technically got athletic mobile. Um, so, you know, we're sort of gearing up to that point where, you know, we need to start, you know, Played properly, if you want to say that, not get beat 6-4, um, but I great to go back to Ireland, and as you say, something that's not done enough really, um, you know, you can, you obviously want to strengthen the brand worldwide, but it's important to go back to your roots, and um, you know, obviously back in the day, I think I'm right in saying the Celtic Symphony was written, um, because there was a lot more people supporting Liverpool and Man United in Ireland, and it was to encourage people to say, well, really Celtic. Should be your team. You know, if you're to have a team in another country. It should be Celtic, and you know you've obviously getting away from that the last 20-30 years with Sky mm-hmm. and the Premier League mm-hmm. and Champions League. You know you find yourself seeing Man City, Everton. Well, maybe not Everton, but you know Man United, Chelsea, Spurs talks all over the world. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's almost hard to compete with that um, on a global scale. But you know, in Scotland and in Ireland, I think those are the two places where we can really compete, and we should really be winning that battle.
2: No, you're right. And I remember reading that interview, actually. Um, And obviously, they recorded a video, the the Wolf Tones recorded a video at Celtic Park. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that. It'll be on YouTube, I'm sure, where they're running about with the centenary tops on. And there's some great pictures behind the scenes with uh, Billy McNeil and Tom Grant. Do you think that would... uh, get past the front door these days? (laughs) Probably not. Um, However, we are going to be playing an island. The way I look at it, Lloyd, is that the first two games in Portugal were for fitness. The two games in Japan originally were for the brand. And then we've got, now, a situation where we've got Wolves and then Athletic Club of Bilbao on Tuesday. And these are the two games that I'm going to be watching with some real interest. It was great to see the two games in Japan, the football back and all that, but we knew, you know, wholesale changes at half time and all that kind of stuff. Um, but these are the two games that I think we're maybe going to start seeing a bit of a shape to the team, um, an indication of who Rodgers fancies, um, what we're going to be doing with the inverted full backs, because it's been a wee bit stop start with, you know, having a Watt at right back who can't really play there for all intents and purposes. Um, and obviously it would be great
1: to see uh, James on Tuesday night. What's your thoughts? Are you going on Tuesday as well, by the way, Lloyd? Uh, sadly I can't make it on Tuesday because I'm working. But I'd like to have been to that game. Maybe take my nephew and my son to that because I think they would have enjoyed it as well. But with regards to like tomorrow's game and that, I think we're going to see more of what the starting eleven's also going to be for yeah. next week with the mm-hmm. first league game as well. So you'll obviously see the tactical side in these two games, and I think you're going to see a closer start of eleven to next Monday.
2: Yeah, well, again, I'm I'm just surmising. I think that originally, Jim, the the Japanese games were brand exercises. However, they became something different when Brendan come in and he has to, you know, familiarize himself with a new squad. But you know, I am looking at the Wolves game and the game on Tuesday night, Jim, slightly differently. Uh, not as a competitive game, but as Lloyd says, you're going to get an idea of shape. You're going to get an idea of what our start eleven is going to look like once we get to the Ross County game.
3: Don't ask me that question. Because <laughs> <laughs> we'll you don't like Next Saturday is a half past 12 kickoff. We're going to jump on this emotional roller coaster for like 10 months mm. and it'll be 24 7 and we'll be analysing everything to death. So see when it gets to the close season, just chill, just, just do nothing, just do nothing. See how we're getting on, but just so. I'm not planning to watch the game tomorrow. I'm not going to the game Tuesday, night, and I'll get pelvis for that as well. But, but I just, yeah, it's getting minutes in the legs. It's trying formations. Don't get injured, please, and don't get a doing, please, don't get a doing. Because uh, I was on two weeks ago. I was saying what, what I hoped for with the Japanese tour that the Japanese Celtic fans would get a chance to see. Yeah, the famous Glasgow Celtic. I've never seen the famous Glasgow Celtic. And it's a bit like the back in the seventies was a basketball. Team called the Harlem Globe around the world. Do they still so, exist? I possibly do in some sort of yeah. shape or format. And the Japanese fans must have been thinking the Glasgow Celtic are coming here and we can go and watch the Glasgow Celtic and it'll be brilliant. And you're thinking of some fan going to the game and telling his old oh, man, I want to watch the Glasgow Celtic today. We're going to be, you know, piling on the agony, putting on the style. And he goes, back, who do you want? We get pumped for?" <laughs> <You're> thinking, <laughs> you know, what was the point of that? So I mean it doesn't affect the season. No effect on that at all, but it certainly damaged the brand a bit in terms of you know losing losinglick goals because uh, anyways, I just hope the minutes and legs the next two games uh, don't get it doing, don't get injured, please, don't get injured in the next two games, and they were all set to go at half past twelve next uh, Saturday when. When it really matters, when it really, really matters—that's that's 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 my view.
2: Well, the pre-season, Jim, it's all about football jerseys, and we can agree and disagree on names, signings, speculation, gossip, and pre-season friendlies. That's what it's all about, and that's what it's been on Axon. But you know, it's a good point you make, Jim, regarding the brand. It'll be interesting, I think, to speak to Liam. You know, as it does settles, to see what was the impact. What was the impact of Celtic going over there and playing the two games? Because I know they weren't that well attended, and obviously the promoters getting the blame for that, and with also to the, the pricing sorry, of it as well.
3: So, just is button. I totally agree with you. We should be going to Ireland every single summer because the Irish fans do a phenomenal job coming across here. So we should reciprocate that, acknowledge that, and be over there. Yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah, without a doubt, Jim, because, I mean, I remember um, in a hotel, I think the night before a game once I was meeting somebody and uh, the Irish fans were all staying in this hotel and I got talking to them up at the bar and it's the level of commitment. I know that a lot of them do it, you know, during the night, you know, early morning, some of them are coming over the night before. It's incredible. Big shout out to every single one of you who tune in, as well. Um, hats off to you, brilliant. But I do think, like Jim says, Celtic as a club need to reciprocate that. And and by the way, you know, the argument previously was that the pre season was so short because of the qualifiers. So get it. But now we don't really have that as an excuse. If the other excuse was, well, we're not going to get a challenge from an Irish club, no disrespect to Irish clubs, by the way, then do what we're doing tomorrow. Play someone like Wolves, play someone like Inter Milan, you know, Liverpool, organise a game over there, Um, but definitely go to, to see the fans and engage with the fans as well. Maybe put on some other events in and around the game maybe a, a bandit like Bertie or something like that Jim, you could go over and get involved in that as I'm well, there. you done I'm Ireland there. yet? You done Ireland yet? I Ireland a few weeks ago, aye right? Ireland, Vegas, Donegal done right? oh, yeah. Love it I want to speak, before we finish about James E. Forrest, I've been watching with interest on the socials Patrick, as you do, and um, I think he's getting a mixed reaction to this the fact that he's getting a testimonial after, what, 15 years service? This will be his 15th term as a Celtic player. So well decorated. I'd love to see him being more consistent in terms of his game time this season. He's had some injury worries over the last few seasons. He deserves a testimony. I'm not saying money. I'm not saying he deserves money. He's on a very good wage, I'm sure. And obviously it's been announced that um, a couple of really, really good uh, beneficiaries are Kilbright Hospital and Celtic FC Foundation on Tuesday night. Patrick, but if anyone at Celtic deserves a testimonial, it's James E. Forrest.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um as you say, you know, you put the medals on the table they speak for themselves. I think he's I think he's only second I think I'm right in saying he's only second, second to Bobby Lennox. What you see is only two behind. Um, which is just, you know, incredible. You know, to be ahead of guys like Billy McNeil, Scott Brown. You know, any any of the, any of either the Lisbon lines or, you know, guys from the last six, seven years who have won table after table to be in amongst those names and ahead of those names and you know interesting to see who finishes with more between him and Calmack because you know I think Forrest's got two years left, Carlmack's now get is it four or five years left Calum McGregor's got so you know that's, odds are probably in Carlum's favour, but um yeah he definitely deserves a testimony. As you say, fifteenth season. I think he's scored in every single one of those seasons. hundred goals, a hundred assists um had, you know, those sort of three, four peak years under uh, Rodgers and Lennon, and you know he's, he's not featured as much recently, but when he has, he's he's contributed. And you know, Matt he's a player I get frustrated with. Have done in the past, probably will do again. But um, you know, I think he's one of these players that you might take for granted at the time, and you look back on more fondly mm-hmm. um, because to do it, yeah, sort of week in week out for fifteen years is an incredible standard to set. Um, and that's what you know, all his managers are spoken about the standard that he sets having guys like that around the club um, it's it's really important and um, I, I don't know if ticket sales were, were poor to begin with but they're really selling out now because I think they've opened the, the upper tier. so um, it should hopefully be a good night and obviously for a good cause as well and you know get to see a few new players as well so I should
2: be Yeah, first game back for Brennan Rogers as well. I'm I'm really aware of the fact that Lloyd is nipping away to do a back shift, so we are going to wrap up there. That's your Axon Bulletin for this Friday afternoon. Loads covered, loads more to talk about tomorrow, I'm sure, after the game. Uh, we'll be half an hour before kick-off, half-time, and also following the full-time missile, we will be here. Axon, as always, thanks, everybody, for getting involved. Um, a few tickets before I came on still available for Roy Keane, so if you want to come along get involved, see the big man uh, on stage, very rare that he does this, so I'm really looking forward to it uh, a hero from uh, the centenary season and previously as well it's always an absolute pleasure, thank you to uh, Lloyd, Patrick and Jim for joining me on a Celtic State of Night <laughs> Network.